Welcome to Black Music Matters. Last month's podcast was about the black king of rock and roll, Jackie Wilson, who sometimes was also called the Black Elvis. It was mentioned that Jackie Wilson called Elvis Presley a good friend, which probably caused some to wonder what was the matter with Jackie Wilson. Hadn't he heard that Elvis was a racist? For that's what many in the black community were told. Though I was never an Elvis fan, I wondered why so many black artists held Elvis in high esteem and why so many hated him. Like Quincy Jones, who during a recent interview for The Hollywood Reporter said he never would have worked with Elvis because band leader Tommy Dorsey said Elvis was a racist mother. And in 2001, when Mary J. Blige was asked to perform Blue Suede Shoes, she said she had to pray about it because she knew Elvis was a racist. And the lyrics to Public Enemy's 1989 song, Fight the Power, described Elvis with lyrics that said, straight up racist that sucker was, simple and plain. I think it's safe to say that none of those three ever met Elvis in person. For those who did, held the extreme opposite view. B.B. King said, With Elvis, there was not a single drop of racism in that man. And when I say that, believe me, I should know. James Brown, when visiting Elvis at Graceland, would spend hours with him singing gospel songs. He said of Elvis, I wasn't just a fan, I was his brother. Testimonies from Sam Cooke, B.B. King, Darling Love, and many other black musicians and singers who knew Elvis personally or who had worked with him never thought of him as a racist. And many understood his desire for social justice. Civil rights leader Andrew Young spoke highly of Elvis, who so admired Martin Luther King that he often recited from memory the Reverend's I Have a Dream speech. And Elvis donated to the NAACP and other civil rights organizations not the actions of a straight-up racist. So for all his faults, it seems being racist wasn't one of them. So how did Elvis get labeled as a racist? The answer seems to go back to 1957, when Sepia magazine printed an article called How Negroes Feel About Elvis. Sepia's article included a quote from a man on the street who heard that Elvis once said, the only thing Negroes can do for me is buy my records and shine my shoes. Louis Robinson, an editor at Jet Magazine, questioned the validity of that comment, possibly because it was made by a man on the street, and partially because he thought Sepia had a dubious reputation. For though Jet and Sepia magazines both marketed to a black audience, Jet was owned by a black publisher, and Sepia had a white publisher, located in Texas the South, where in 1957, white adults were very much anti-rock and roll, fearing that its popularity among both white and black teenagers would somehow lead to equal rights and racial integration. Well, for his article, Louis Robinson went around interviewing black musicians who had worked with Elvis, as well as those who knew him in his teens. All believed Elvis could never have made such a racist comment. 
Elvis was accused of making the comment in Boston well before Elvis had ever set foot in Boston. Then it was reported that he said it on Edward R. Murrow's popular television show, Face the Nation. But Elvis had never, ever been on Face the Nation. Ah, fake news, which spread easily in a community where so many resented the fact that a white performer became famous and incredibly wealthy by adopting a black style of music something a black man didn't have a ghost of chance of doing in the highly racist atmosphere of 1957, when even the music business practiced segregation. Well, maybe Elvis wasn't racist, some might say, but he stole black music. I don't know that he stole the music. I don't think anyone ever accused the Ink Spots of stealing white music. Anyway, it wasn't Elvis's intention of stealing a style of music. It was just that it was the music he loved, the music he grew up with. Elvis's mother was quite religious, and the family sang gospel songs at home. They were poor and moved around a lot. And while Elvis was attending an all-white high school, the Presleys were living in subsidized housing located in a black neighborhood. Elvis would visit black churches and embrace the gospel music he heard. And on Beale Street, he heard the blues and also found clothing he liked. Clothes that made a somewhat shy teenager stand out from his white schoolmates. So from early on, Elvis studied a style of music and dressed in a fashion that a lot of white people at the time would not have. Elvis has also been criticized for not acknowledging that it was the black artists who came before him that created rock and roll. But there are printed interviews as well as concert footage in which Elvis makes comments like the following. A lot of people seem to think I started this business, but rock and roll was here a long time before I came along. And though others named him king of rock and roll, no one ever heard him embrace the title. But some black artists were grateful for Elvis's success, like Little Richard, who said, I thank the Lord for sending Elvis to open that door so I could walk down the road. By Elvis singing Tutti Frutti, he really made it bigger and made me bigger. You understand? What little Richard understood was that Elvis's appeal to white teenagers was helping black artists. One way was by putting an end to the horrid white cover records that were being made, like Pat Boone's whitened version of Tutti Frutti. Elvis's popularity, Elvis's style, helped get major radio stations to start playing records by the original black artists. But didn't Elvis cover records also? Yes, he did, but he kept the original style of the black artist, often copying the vocals quite closely as he did when he recorded the song Trying to Get to You, written by two black songwriters, Charlie Singleton and Rosemary McCoy. The song was originally recorded in 1954 by a black group named The Eagles. Elvis found their record on Beale Street. And if you listen to The Eagles' lead singer on their version of Trying to Get to You, and then listen to Elvis singing his version, you can hear how similar their vocals were. Elvis just listened and learned. He had no vocal training. Another rumor that may be taking hold right now is that Elvis was being coached by singer-songwriter Otis Blackwell. 
If that rumor takes hold, it most likely came from a Quincy Jones interview with a Hollywood reporter in which Jones said, The only time I saw Elvis, he was being coached how to sing by Otis Blackwell. Kind of impossible because, as Otis Blackwell said on the David Letterman show years after Elvis died, he said he never met Elvis, even though he wrote three hits for him, Don't Be Cruel, All Shook Up, and Return to Sender. Though the two never met, Elvis did copy Otis's style. After Elvis signed with RCA Victor, he would be given demonstration records of songs for his consideration. Otis Blackwell made his own demos for Elvis, and since Elvis liked Otis's style, other songwriters figured it would be a good idea to get Otis to make demonstration records of the songs they were pitching to Elvis. If you search for David Letterman and Otis Blackwell on the internet, you can hear Otis Blackwell singing, Don't Be Cruel. And if you didn't know better, but now you do, it was Elvis that copied Blackwell, not the other way around. So yes, Elvis copied from other vocalists, especially in the early years. So many singers did that. Some have criticized Elvis for stealing songs from black artists, like Hound Dog, which had been a hit on the rhythm and blues charts for Big Mama Thornton. But Big Mama Thornton did not write the song, and so she did not own the song. Hound Dog was owned by two white teenagers who eventually became well-known songwriters, Jerry Lieber and Mike Stoller. They owned the song. The only proceeds Big Mama Thornton was entitled to would come from the record company that put her song out. That's who did the stealing. Others sang the song Hound Dog, but Elvis had the biggest hit, and so he gets criticized for stealing it. But he didn't copy Big Mama Thornton's record. If he had, even Elvis wouldn't have gotten his record played on major radio stations, for Big Mama Thornton's version was too sexually explicit for even Elvis to get away with. Though Elvis had probably heard Thornton's record, it was the lyrics and the style of a white group who had also recorded Hound Dog, Freddie Bell and the Bell Boys. So when Elvis came out with Hound Dog in 1956, it became a big hit because he was white and because he was Elvis. It was played on major radio stations. Big Mama Thornton's slow blues recording was played on small radio stations. Not the fault of Elvis. That's about all I want to say about Elvis. I was never a big fan, so I didn't know much about him. I even listened to some of his records recently, his country records, which I must say, they were really great. There's a lot of blues in country. Maybe I'll look into that next. So for now, enjoy, be well, be happy. And oh, don't forget, listen to Otis Blackwell singing Don't Be Cruel on the David Letterman Show. I think you'll like it.